want to say was, um, we, we played this this morning in our services. It's a little video testimony of uh, Jeanette Losh, and she just shares a bit of a story. So we have our prayer and healing services every now and then. And at our last prayer and healing service, she just came to give thanks and praise to God for what He'd done in her life. And we just pulled out the iPhone or someone pulled out the iPhone and just recorded as she just shared very briefly at that uh, prayer and healing service. It's a great little testimony. I love this. And so I'm going to play it for you now. And uh, I'm not going to say any more, but we're going to hear from tomorrow as well after this little video testimony. Uh, but uh, you'll love this. Let's, uh, let's head to the screens. Hi, I'm Jeanette. And um, the last prayer and healing service I went to, I was diagnosed with a blood cancer. And also my kidney levels had gone right down in the 12.30. And I was looking at getting chemo for the cancer and um, dialysis for the kidney problems. And so I went to the grand healing service and I got prayed over for that. I went back to my specialist for the kidneys and also my other specialist for the cancer. And both of their mouths dropped because all the tests they done came back that my cancer has gone and that my kidney levels are gone back up to in the 30s. And the doctor was absolutely surprised because he said, um, it was looking really bad at the time and he said now you just come back up and he said whatever you're doing you're doing it right and I said I'm trusting in God and I said I had prayers over me and the doctor said oh geez you know he must be a good God and I turned and I said yes mate I said whatever you do even when you do operations I said God's there in your hands helping you to heal people and I said that's why I always say people should get to know God. And the doctors are even realising now that we've got a good God there that will heal us. So praise God and thank you, Lord. It's wonderful. How good is that? Isn't it just so exciting to love and be loved by a God who heals? I love stories like that. Before we hear from God's Word tonight, would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, as we come to hear from you, we ask that you would soften and prepare our hearts to humbly receive your word. Lord, give us humility to understand your greatness, understand how wonderful you are. And Lord, I pray that tonight we would catch a glimpse of your goodness. Lord, open our eyes to who you are. Open our ears to your word. Open our hearts to your great love. We pray these things in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. It is amazing to be here with you tonight. If you are joining us online, a very special welcome to you. And if you are here for the first time or if you've just started attending, can I just say welcome? It is so great to have you here. Twig said it, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we'd love for you to join us for dinner, to hang out. There's a really heated ping pong tournament usually. So if you're into that, come along too. But it is great to be here this evening. Now, I'm really blessed. I have a younger brother. And while I didn't feel blessed the day he was born, I thought my world had ended and I now had to share my parents with someone else. 19 years later, I've come to terms with that and we're good. But I remember when he was about five or six, he went through the why stage. Now, if you've got siblings or younger children, you'll know what I'm talking about. 
They'd ask a reasonable question and you'd explain it. And then they'd turn around and say, but why? So you answer again very patiently, lovingly, but why? And you go through this circle of, but why, but why, but why, until you're about to tear your hair out and you come to the conclusion of, just because, that's why. And you have to leave it at that. But it just reminds me that asking questions is so ingrained in our DNA as humans. It's a part of our makeup. And so tonight, as we jump into week three of Alpha, how can I have faith? I want you to question. I want you to ask why and be curious. Theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking was quoted saying, religion is a fairy tale story for those afraid of the dark. To which professor of mathematics John Lennox replied, if religion is a fairy tale for those afraid of the dark, then atheism is a fairy tale for those afraid of the light. We have a misconception that faith and science cannot coexist, that faith and sound reasoning are in direct contradiction with one another. There's this mentality that in order to have faith, you've just got to throw out reasoning and evidence and anything at all that makes sense. Or that faith is simply a crutch that only the foolish and uneducated use because they are too naive to believe in facts and evidence. According to Wikipedia, a leap of faith in its most commonly used meaning is the act of believing or accepting something outside the boundaries of reason. But that's not faith, that's just foolish. You see, reason and evidence are the foundation of faith. Reasoning and thinking actually lead to faith. If we look at the biblical definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it said, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith is the collection of evidence and reason for belief in things we cannot see. It is a reasonable step of faith based on acts, on facts and evidence. The Bible does not call us to blind or naive belief. In 2 Corinthians, when Paul says, walk by faith and not by sight, he's not saying walk by faith and not by reason. Reason and sight are not the same thing. For example, I believe in the wind, even though I can't see it. I see its effects, I feel its presence, and so from my reasoning I deduce, it exists. In the same way that I believe in love, even though I can't see it, I see it in the acts of love around me and I experience it. I see it in the patience of my husband when I stack the dishwasher wrong and when he eats my pancakes that are burnt to a crisp and still says thank you. I have evidence for what I cannot see. Faith is grounded in reason and evidence. Much of what we know about science and the human body is understood in the exact same way. The scientific model forms a hypothesis, a theory. It then questions and tests that theory to a point where you are made to believe in the most reasonable explanation based on that evidence. You may not be aware of this, but it's actually impossible to prove scientific theories. A scientific journal wrote the following quote, no scientific model can ever be considered proven. 
all scientific models are tentative to some degree. Scientific models can be disproven or supported. They cannot be outright proven. And so, as a scientist, based on the facts and evidence, you have to believe, or rather, take a step of faith based on your evidence to a conclusion. Now, don't misunderstand me. This is not a science versus religion message. This is not about belittling science. In fact, I love science. It's actually a huge passion of mine. And I believe that science is actually necessary to form a true understanding of faith and Christianity. Contrary to popular belief, Christians are not intellectually challenged. We do not believe in a God of the gaps theory that says because we cannot explain it yet, then God must be the reason. I truly believe that as we continue to investigate and unwrap the mysteries of the universe, science will continue to point to an intentional, rational designer. Even when you take Christianity and you compare it to other religions, Christianity stands alone. What other religion worships a God who humbled himself as a human and died for broken and flawed people? No. True Christ followers with true faith are not naive. They believe in the most reasonable explanation for the evidence they are given. One of my favorite scientists, he probably didn't know it at the time, is in fact the Apostle Thomas, also known as Doubting Thomas. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples, but you see, Thomas wasn't there. It says in chapter, John chapter 20. So using the scientific model, Thomas proposed hypothesis that Jesus was dead. He then formulated a test to support his hypothesis. In verse 25, he says, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were and put my hand to his side, I will not believe. And then Thomas tested this theory and his hypothesis was disproven. And based on his evidence, Thomas proclaimed that Jesus was alive. If we continue on in verse 26, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How does Jesus respond to Thomas's questions? Does he get angry? Does he belittle Thomas and chastise him? Does he say, Thomas, you didn't believe, so unfortunately you can no longer be an apostle. I'm sorry, you. off you go. That's it. No! Jesus gives him his evidence. He takes Thomas's hand and said, here, Thomas, here is my side. Thomas, here are my hands pierced for you. If we seek evidence, if we question and ask God to reveal answers to us, he will do the same for us as he did for Thomas. In Matthew 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The Alpha Course is particularly special to me. It's where I truly encountered God for the very first time. And I wish I could say that I had solid evidence based on my past belief that God didn't exist. But honestly, I was just angry. Angry at church. Angry at God. And I just didn't want him to exist. That was my evidence. Instead of investigating and finding solid evidence to support this, I just stuck with the reasoning that Christianity was too far-fetched to believe in. But then I encountered God. In desperation, I called out to him. And I experienced something that the world's theories couldn't explain to me. And so I actually had to start researching. I actually had to find evidence to work out what I believed in. Unfortunately, at the time, I was studying science, which made it easier, but not in the way you'd expect. I looked at the complexity of human bodies. I looked at the intricacies of cells and the meticulous balance of hormones and electrolytes that cause our bodies to function. And I began to wonder, if there is no God, and if everything about me is chance, why am I so compelled to look for patterns, order, and reason in the human body? How can I be rational-minded if our very existence is random, or as some would say, lucky? A bunch of atoms vibrating together by chance. I was expecting to find reason and rationality in a world that I believed came into being by accident. And pretty soon, my past beliefs and reasons just didn't stack up anymore. Then I looked at my loved ones. I looked at the way I thought and felt and experienced life. And I just couldn't believe that a God didn't exist anymore. The existence of an intentional, rational creator was the reasonable explanation that I found. So based on my evidence, based on my reasoning, I said, okay, God. I'm yours. And I accepted and believed what Jesus said about himself, that he is the son of God, that out of his great love, he died for me because I am an imperfect person, separated by a perfect God by my failures. In dying for me, Jesus removed the barrier of sin between me and God, and now I can be in relationship with my heavenly father. Now, this message isn't about giving you evidence for God. If we went through all the reasoning and evidence, we'd be here for a very, very, very long time. And there'd be even more people asleep then. The purpose of this message is instead to encourage you to go out. Find your evidence. Find your reasons. Come to your conclusion for your beliefs. And take that reasonable step of faith to believe in God. But there is more to faith than just belief. And according to my research, every message on faith needs a chair illustration. So here we are. So looking at this chair and all my experience and my wealth of knowledge in gravity and chair structural integrity, I reckon it could hold me. I might actually test that. Ty, do you reckon, do you reckon I could get your help? Can we welcome Ty as he comes up? 
Awesome. Ty, can you take a seat for me, please? Fantastic. Okay, okay. Ooh, it's holding. How, how do you feel? Feeling supported? Grounded? Let's have a good look. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. Awesome. Thanks, Ty. Can we thank Ty? That was great. Excellent. So I have reason, I have experience, I have tested it. I'm quite confident it will hold me. But I don't have faith in it. Why? Because I'm not sitting in it. You can't have faith in something unless you act, unless you trust it. In the same way, faith is only knowledge and belief, but it's also action. Tim Mackey describes that Christian faith begins with reason, but is only completed by action. Faith is not only based in reason, it is obedience. It's not faith unless you do something about it. In our study at James at the start of the year, we heard that faith without works is dead. And now I want to go back to our passage in Hebrews chapter 11, the title of which is actually Faith in Action. From verse 1, it says, Now faith in comfort is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. And the passage continues from Abel to Enoch by faith, to Noah by faith, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, by faith, all the way to verse 29 where we'll pick it up. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made. 
based on their evidence. These people, the heroes of the faith, chose the promise of Christ, which led them to act in obedience. Faith begins with reason, but is completed through action. Whether that is trusting in God's character or in his direct instruction, faith requires that our lives reflect the confidence we have in Christ. Hebrews 11 shows us that faith without action isn't really faith at all. One Bible commentator describes true faith as this, as action taken in response to the unseen God and his promises. Faith, rather than merely static belief or cognitive assent, spurs one to act in accordance with God's So faith founded on evidence and knowledge. That knowledge is the identity of Christ as God, his death and resurrection. That knowledge then produces action and obedience. That is faith. Because I believe in the promise of Christ, I choose to act, to glorify him in all that I do and trust what he asks me to, just like the people in Hebrews 11. And you see, this is actually where the chair demonstration falls short. I honestly can't tell you that I want to stay in this chair for all eternity. I don't love this chair with all my mind, heart, body and soul. This chair can't save me, let alone reconcile me to my heavenly father. This chair is not the all-powerful, or wonderful, or glorious, or beautiful, majestic saviour. But Jesus is. Jesus is. It matters what you put your faith in. It matters who you put your faith in. When we receive Christ for who he is, that is to say, when we have faith in him by truly understanding who he is and what he has done, We are given the right to be children and to spend eternity in his presence. Faith is the essential response to the grace of God through which we are justified. Romans chapter 3 verses 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Again, in Galatians 2.16, it says a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of law, because the works of the law, no one will be justified. So evidence and reason produces belief. From this belief, we are moved to action, and that is faith. Faith in Christ alone and the gift of his grace justifies us. When we are justified, we are brought into right relationship with our Heavenly Father. That barrier of sin is removed and we are reunited. 
Creation reunited with its creator. Children reunited with their loving father. That is the beauty of faith in Christ. To close, I want to tell you about a painting in St. Paul's Cathedral. It's called The Light of the World. It depicts Jesus standing outside a door. And the door is overgrown with vines, overgrown with weeds, and he's standing there knocking. And if you look closely at that image, you'll notice that there's something missing. That door has no handle. There is no doorknob on the outside. That door can only be opened from the inside. Jesus will always wait for you to open the door. For some, Christ has been knocking for a very long time. Maybe you've heard the echo. You've seen glimpses of his love, but you've never opened that door. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in. When we open the door, Christ is revealed to us. Or maybe you've opened the door and you're staring right at Jesus, right at God himself. Whoever has seen the Son has seen the Father, but you don't recognise him. You don't understand who he is and so you don't invite him in. It's like looking at the chair, having a really sound evidence base that I think, I think it'll hold me. I think I could have faith. But you're not, you're not in it. Or maybe you've got your evidence. You've opened the door and you've invited Christ in and now he's asking you to do something you really don't want to do. I was reminded of this afresh this morning, actually. While small, it was a good reminder. I woke up with this pit of anxiety in my stomach and it grew and grew and grew all day. Public speaking petrifies me. And I said, God, do we have to? Do we really have to? But then he reminded me what this message was on. And I could climb those stairs with absolute confidence because my faith is in the all-powerful God. It matters who you have your faith in. It matters. And so I can stand here with you confidently knowing that it's not my words that you're hearing. It's the Spirit in me who wants to speak to you. God wants to meet you where you're at. He wants you to encounter him tonight. And this is a daily process for everyone who professes Jesus to be their Lord. Every day we've got to open the door and invite him in and be obedient to what he's calling us to. God wants to grow and mature our faith just like he did for the heroes of the faith, for Noah, for Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, 
and every other person in the Bible. God calls us to be obedient. But because we have confidence in him, because we have our faith in him, we can step out in confidence and in peace into what he is calling us to do as beloved children of the Lord God Almighty. And I just want to take a minute now with eyes closed and heads bowed. If any of what has been said tonight resonates with you, if your heart has been pounded at any time throughout tonight, it's, it's not me, I'll be totally honest. It's, it's not a fancy message. It's the Holy Spirit. He wants to tell you something. He wants to speak to you tonight. So I just want to give you a moment with God to recognize and acknowledge where you're at with him. Are you looking at a closed door? Are you looking at Jesus? Or are you looking ahead of you into something that God is asking to do and you're afraid and that's okay? And tonight, if you want to open that door, if you want to invite him inside, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Before I do, I want you to know we'd love to pray for you. Our team is down the front. We are a family, like I said at the start, and we're here to journey with you to support and encourage one another. So if you feel so led in the next song, please come, come, receive prayer, journey with us together. Would you pray with me now? Father, we thank you that you are a good, good God. We thank you that we can have confidence in you. We can have faith in you because of how good you are, your greatness. You are all powerful, all wonderful. And Lord, we come before you aware and acknowledging that we are broken. We are flawed people in need of rescuing. And we thank you for sending your son to rescue us. We thank you that you have a gift of grace on offer for us, that all we need to do is have faith to believe and act and we can be reunited with you so, Lord, we just ask, receive us afresh tonight into your family as your beloved children. We want to be right with you. We want to be in relationship with you. We want to be loved and be in love with you. So, Lord, lead us and guide us, we pray in your heavenly name. Amen. You stand with us. I'm going to sing a song called Living Hope. It talks about our great God, His love for us, His grace and His mercy poured out. So in a response to that message, I want to invite you, if you feel comfortable, to begin to come down the front. If that's something you want to know Jesus for the first time or maybe uh, you've been journeying and you think this is my moment that I need to nail my colours to the mark. I'm going to invite you. Come, there's a pastoral team down here that loves you, that are for you. 
And more important than that, there's a God who loves you. And so these are the moments we can come before our great God and pour out our hearts. So will you do that? Will you be able to just pour out your hearts as we sing together?
Praise God. Hey, um, I love that message tonight as Tamara was sharing, just walking in faith because I just find sometimes I, in those moments where, where I feel like God's calling me into something and I feel that little bit of fear, like, oh, I don't know if I can pull this off. It forces me to have faith in Him. And I just find sometimes I need to walk in fear so that I put my faith in Him. If I'm not walking in fear and I think, oh, I can just pull this off and I can do it, then I don't really need faith in God. And so uh, I just sensed in that last, um, uh, at the end there was when Tamara was sharing, if you're this week, if you need to face something that you feel is a bit bigger than yourself, we would really love to pray for you. It's really important. And I just really sense that maybe some of you tonight just going, yeah, actually, I would love a little bit of prayer or you're facing something in business or some financial stuff or something you've got to do this week, then please don't miss that opportunity to be prayed for, uh, to just put your faith and your trust in Him to say, God, you've got to come through. You've got to come through. Uh, so we'd love to do that. Whether it's down the front or up the back there, we'd love to pray for you. But it's been really good to have you here tonight and may God... Use your power for this week, whatever you're doing. Oh, let me pray for you. Pray for you before we go. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Now we want to walk in faith. And uh, Lord, I'm reminded of that same. If our vision isn't big enough, if our vision doesn't scare us, it's not big enough. And I just pray that we'd walk with big vision, big vision from you, relying and trusting on you, not in our own ability. And uh, so, Father God, we just humble ourselves before you now. Use us this week, we pray in whatever we're doing. And we pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. And uh, we'd love to pray for you if you'd like prayer. Have a great week.